5: This hour is being brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Ray, let's go.
3: (laughs) Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Russell Dorsey, National MLB
4: Insider for Bally Sports and Stadium. President Jed Hoyer always talks about who's going to be a part of that next great Cubs team. They think Seiya Suzuki is going to be a big part of that. A guy who is really turned into a stud and could likely be an MVP candidate, Luis Robert has all the tools, the power, the speed.
3: Host of the rally on Bally Sports. If you could ban
4: something from sports for 10 years,
3: what would it be? I am gonna say the wave. It's a bit too much. Co-host of the Sports Adjacent Podcast.
4: I don't let it get to that point where I have a thousand
5: unread emails. I have 277 right
3: now. You have bodies in your house, bro. Russell Dorsey. I'm Russell. With Lawrence Holmes on 670 The Score. The Score. We talk all sorts of stuff with Russell
5: Dorsey. He joins me Wednesdays at 1 o'clock. On the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. You could check him out on Bally Sports and on Stadium, where he's actually even wearing his stadium schmedium shirt today, where he can do all of the flexing that he wants to do there on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 the score. So, Russ, I've got some bad news for you. Oh no. Here's the bad news. Ordinarily, when you're on the show, considering yeah. that I host the show and, you know, some of the other people that we have on, you're usually the best looking person on Twitch for okay. the show, right? Like, Ray and I are very confident in who we
4: are, but we see that you're a handsome man. <laughs>
5: okay. You will not be the best looking person on today's show.
4: Uh, I saw who your second guest was, and I agree with you. Yep, 100%. It's all good. I, I concede this week. That's
5: fine. You should. You should totally concede. But I am I am grateful that you are available to the score listener via Twitch, twitch.tv slash Chicago, 670 the score, and of course, here on the airwaves. You want to do some basketball before we do the baseball?
4: I would love to. Okay. I, I think you're going to ask me about bad White Sox base running, but uh, yeah, let's get into the hoops first.
5: Yeah, I, I, I need a, a mental break, and we'll get to it, but what what happened with your man's Jimmy? You know, your man's Jimmy came down there, and I, I listened to the sports adjacent podcast, mm-hmm. and you and Tony were like, oh, Jimmy is now in the discussion, and we can't we can't mention players like Giannis without talking about Jimmy.
4: Your man's had a chance and, and made the wrong decision. All right, so a couple things. I I stand by what me and Tony were talking about. You, we can't have the best player in the world conversation, and you not mention Jimmy Butler, like. Jimmy was a shot away from taking down Giannis, KD, Kyrie, uh, and and the team that ultimately is going to be in the finals in the Boston Celtics and Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Like, what he did, the Heat are nowhere close to defeating the Boston Celtics if it weren't for heroic performances by Jimmy Butler on a really bad knee. Like, he was on a bad tire and still had these heroic performances. I don't think it's uh, – Incorrect to say that and, and talk about Jimmy in that way. And I think, as far as his shot, twenty seconds left in the game, it's game seven. You're at home. Yes, the right basketball play is to drive that to the basket. You had Al Horford on his heels, to easy bucket for Jimmy. However, mm-hmm. in your building, you're at home. You knock that three down. You're up by one, and you feel really confident that you can get out of there with a win. And you're not even in that game if it wasn't for the performance that he had by himself. I think that's fine. Um, he missed. Like, I can't tell the best player on the floor, don't try to win it for us in the closing seconds. Is it the right basketball play? Probably not, but I'm not mad at it.
5: Oh, well, look, I'm, I'm a full-fledged Jimmy hater. So I took a lot of... You are, I know, and I know. I, I took knew that going in. I took a lot of joy in seeing him not succeed, and I'll continue to take a lot of joy and him not succeeding. Here's where I think you guys are being a tad hyperbolic with Jimmy. I,
0: sure. think,
5: I think that if you're talking about the best two-way perimeter players in the league, he's on that list. Like, if you want to take your list of five, he is on that list. What separates him from being in the conversation with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, even Joel Embiid, and, and maybe Embiid is on, on the list with Jimmy, is that there's always something. There's always something that keeps Jimmy from reaching his potential. And whether it's an, an injury or bad teammates, and I'm sure that at some point this summer he'll tell them, tell us how bad his teammates were, it, there's always something. And that's what I think keeps him from being championship. But I, I agree with you, Russ. He played at a championship level, this whole postseason and he deserves a lot of kudos for that he he continues to be a hard work guy but my problem with people who venerate him like you and Tony were doing is that there are also people that are more talented than him that also work hard and and Jimmy's whole thing is well I'll just outwork you great I I love it I love where you're at but you know who else works Giannis and he's got talent of the gods so so to, to me his
4: talent is he works hard if that makes any sense well I, I get you I'm not saying I, I think the best player in the world is Giannis Antetokounmpo and I don't necessarily think it's close but as you get down to that like seven eight nine ten spot Jimmy should be in that conversation with uh those guys down there right with your Damian Lillards and and, and players of that ilk like I think there's gaps in between, you know, where where Kevin Durant is, where I feel like he's in the number two spot. And um Joel Embiid and LeBron's still in the conversation at the end of his career. Well, th- that was right? I, I and, think Nikola Jokic. Right? I think the there's, LeBron there's, there's thing exactly was the thing me. that made me
5: the angriest because as bad as LeBron's team was this year, and mm-hmm. they are trash, that yes. dude was amazing all season yes.
4: long. At thirty eight years old. It Absolutely. doesn't make any sense. Yes. No, I'm with you. It, it, I, I, I always tell people, appreciate greatness. There are people like you who hate on Jimmy, who hate on LeBron in a similar fashion. And it's like, dog, we'll never see this again. So you have to appreciate it while you have it.
5: All right, fair enough. I, I, I think that you and I understand where the other one's coming from. Yes, And, and, and we'll, we'll agree to disagree. But I, I, I've always said that he's a top five two-way perimeter player. His whole career, I just don't like him, and I'm glad that he didn't win. I, I get and, it, and that it was happens. and Russ. That was hard for me because I really wanted Max Struess to win
4: mm-hmm. because he's a DePaul guy, like Speaking local of, guy, yeah. University guy, DePaul guy, I, I uh, he, Stag High School guy. Like, I get it.
5: Speaking of like connections, I while I was watching the White Sox last night, did you know
4: Jordan Romano at all? Yeah, my guy. Okay, Uh, I didn't know that. When he was at Oral Roberts, I was a freshman. Uh, It's the the reason I know Jose Trevino, catcher for the Yankees as well. Uh, They were both on that team as juniors. I was a young scribe as a freshman, and Jose Trevino, who catches for the Yankees, was actually the first athlete I had ever interviewed. Uh, That's my guy. Jordan Romano, good people, also one of my guys. And, uh, yeah, we all, that ORU connection.
5: Okay, because I saw that and they mentioned he went to Oral Roberts, and I was like, those guys are close to the same
4: age. I know someone who yeah. went to Oral Roberts, and it's Russ Dorsey. Or is it? Yeah, Canadian Canadian guy uh, came down to ORU, closed with threw gas back then, and <laughs> throws gas in the big leagues now. So Russ, uh, all right, these, all right, so lay it on me. These these White
5: Sox man. Um, if Tim Anderson is not available for at least, and it's very important to say the at least three weeks part, what can White Sox fans even expect from this
4: team? What would even be fair to expect from them? its It goes back to the question I asked you last week when I said, and I knew the answer to it, are the White Sox a bad team? That's what you can expect. Right. Unless there's some miraculous turnaround of what we've seen. And we're at we're, it's June 1st, Lawrence. Like we're at a point where this is who you are until you show people that you're not. Michael Kovac's been great. Is that what Fox fans can go out there and look forward to every fifth day? Cool. Is, is Andrew Vaughn a very talented player? Absolutely. You can look forward to it. He almost won it by himself last night. Right. Cool. But as a whole, as a collective, whether it's the decisions by the manager, whether it's bad base running, whether it's guys not being able to hit or putting together good at-bats. And now you're at a point, Lawrence, where this month is not playing with them. They got the Blue Jays. They got the Rays this weekend. They got the Dodgers for three. The Rangers are playing better baseball. Then you have the Tigers. But then you have the Astros. You got to go down to Houston, play in their building. Then you have the Blue Jays again. Orioles team that's not a pushover anymore. Like they're going to compete every night, and then the Angels to close the month. They're already five and a half, uh, five games back in the division. They, they could easily be double digit games back by the end of the month. Even that's
5: anymore. that's how I feel about the whole thing. Uh, last night, seeing the the Danny Mendick base running gaff, uh, it it was it was something that I think sunk a lot of White Sox fans' hearts. Cause you're going, they've got to get a lot of this stuff right while Ta is down, while Lance Lynn is down, and their abil- their inability to play heads up baseball is yeah. shockingly
4: bad. They, it's one of those things where they don't have margin for error right now, right? If you're not going to have your uh, Catalyst and Tim Anderson, the guy who's also you know he had we I talked came on here a couple of weeks back and talked about how bad he played on defense and he was really bad like he was one of the worst defenders in baseball and had started to turn that around and playing a really good shortstop and then being able to swing the bat at an elite rate like he was the best offensive shortstop in the game uh, by all the different numbers. I, look, not having that guy is a very big deal. And if other guys are not going to be in that lineup and, and swing the bat, you, you, you can't ask like Lucas Giolito is going to have bad starts from time to time, right? Like he's allowed, but they don't. They have to have him play at an ace uh, pitch at eighth level every night. You need Michael Kopech to pitch like Michael Kopeck every night. That's not going to happen every five days. Like he's going to have a clunker in there. Um, Dylan Cease can't even pitch right now in Toronto, and. You no, know, he's going to have bad starts from time to time. So it's a it's a tough situation if you're the White Sox because you dug yourself this hole and now you have guys dropping so fast. You don't know when a Lloyd's going to come back and what player he's going to be when he comes back. It's not a good situation.
5: No, it's it's a really ugly situation, Russ. And like like Sunday after I, I was flying back and I'm watching the game and I'm excited that the White Sox won the game. But even after they win the game, you have the realization of well now starts life without Tim Anderson. And and I'm I'm not sure that this particular team can overcome that. Even if it is just three weeks. You, you laid it out. With the way that their schedule goes, they they could be looking at ten games back. And and I think that it, it's coming even faster than the end of the month. I think by the middle of the month we could be looking at that.
4: Yeah, and the yeah, yeah. If you're trying to look for silver linings, if you're a White Sox fan, I guess you'd have to say, well, the Twins are also beat up right now, right? You have Carlos Correa on COVID IL, they just lost his, his number two in Royce Lewis, who had been playing well. Byron Buxton isn't swinging at the greatest right now. Uh, but at some point, those guys are going to get healthy as well, and you just got to hope that you know, they're playing at a close to 500 or below 500 level so that you can get back into this race. But, like, they're good teams in this this division. And if, if I had to look at it and say, all right, we'll how do the White Sox finish? It's tough for me to say they finish above 500 when you have teams that are going to be in the playoffs, um, you know, the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Dodgers, who are arguably the best team in baseball, like, it is a difficult month for the White Sox. There's no doubt. What's coming up on Sports
5: Adjacent this week? Well, <laughs> oh no,
4: <laughs> no, no, it's not bad. It's not bad. Interesting conversations. Um, nothing crazy. A guestless week. So it's just the me and the boys, me, Jason, and Tony. Uh, always bringing you some interesting things, interesting thoughts and perspectives. Uh, But we're really excited about it. And we're going to have some different things coming up over the next couple of weeks that we're really excited about. But uh, people have been tuning in. People have been listening and watching the clips on social media and sharing those. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Like We're well over a year of podcasts. And I didn't know what it would be when we started it, when we talked to you about it and the end of 2021, but it's turned or end of 2020, excuse me. Uh, but it's turned into something. I look forward to every, each and every week.
5: I agree. I look forward to hearing you guys be weird every single week. And, and the <laughs> wait, you're not, it's not a wee weird.
4: It's a Tony weird.
5: Well, I'm, I, I think that you are discounting your level of weird and Jason's level <laughs> of weird. Y'all weird. Like, so am I. So I look forward to the dysfunction that is that family of you three talking about life and love and all sorts of other stuff.
4: I'd like to say unique, Lawrence. I am a unique individual.
5: That is that's fair. I think that that
4: (laughs) (laughs) that is a fair
5: assessment. Russ, have a great week. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Lawrence. I appreciate it. That is Russ Dorsey. He of the Sports Adjacent Podcast, and you can watch him on Stadium. You should download the Stadium app. It's easy. You get to watch him and my man, Brad Evans. I think I think Brad Evans is now in the Bahamas. I don't know what he's doing there, but good for him. Our guy, Cam Smith, and, well, you won't be able to watch her there anymore, but Amina Smith is an alum of Stadium. We used to work together over there. She now works for NBC Sports Boston. I thought we preview the NBA Finals with Amina. She's good people, and she's going to join me next here on The Score.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
3: Lawrence Holmes. Holmes runs it really well. Noon to 2. Holmes will what Holmes does. On Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yo, Holmes! And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. Al Horford with the rebound. Throws it up in the air. And the Boston Celtics will go to the NBA Finals. They complete a wire-to-wire victory on Miami's home court. The Celtics going to their 22nd... NBA Finals, where they will look for their 18th NBA Championship.
5: Highlights courtesy of ESPN. That series was wild, and now we have set up Celtics versus Dubs for the NBA Championship. I'm very lucky that I crossed paths at stadium with Amina Smith. She is one of the bright young stars in our business and she has been holding it down now nbc sports boston doing her thing covering the celtics she joins me now on the circuit resort and casino hotline circuit resort and casino in las vegas home of the world's largest sports book what's up amina how are you
0: How are you? First of all, thank you for that introduction. I mean, I am flattered. Thank you so
5: much. It's the truth. Come on. It's been the truth since you walked in front of a camera. We all know where the stars are. We can we can see what's getting ready to happen to your career. And now look at you. Now you got an opportunity to cover an NBA finals. How did the Celtics get to this point?
0: Oh, man. I think back to, you know, back in December and January, and I was hosting our pregame live show, and I remember speaking to our Celtics insider, Chris Forsberg. We were literally having conversations about whether or not this Celtics team should change because they were below 500, they were not doing well, like people were already planning what they were going to do after the season, and then Things just turned around. Like, they got healthy. Everything started to click. They started to buy in on the defensive end of the floor and stick with that all throughout the season. And now we're seeing the fruits of all that come, you know, to fruition, to reality. Just seeing them get to this point in the NBA Finals is just, it's insane when you think about where they were back in December and January.
5: So what what do you think changed? And, and what was it that Ime Udoka was able to do that got them to click on?
0: I think what changed was, number one, they got healthy. Like, COVID was definitely a hot topic early on in the season, guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, You had Jalen Brown, who missed 15 games at the beginning of the season as well as dealing with injury. Guys just just not healthy throughout the season. That was number one. They got healthy once we got past the All-Star break. And then, two, Emei Doka when he first got to Boston, I remember his press conference, and he was not shy about picking apart what they did wrong last season, just in his introductory presser, which is insane because I just have not seen that before where he just kind of told it like how it was. He said, you know, they needed to move the ball more. They needed to up the assist numbers. And then when you saw that put into play during the regular season where they had 25 or more assists in a game, they were more than likely winning that match. That win percentage went up so much when they move that ball around the court, when they play with pace, when they play with discipline, when they don't turn the ball over and go back into those bad habits, I think Ime Joker really got them to buy into that, to focus in and hone in on that. And also with them being healthy, that's where we saw the trajectory of this team change throughout the season. I
5: thought for sure that they were going to win game six. When they lost game six, how nervous nervous was Boston (laughs) after they lost game six?
0: I think Boston was definitely nervous, but then me, I, I, I've kind of become a person that looks at the numbers and looks at trends with teams in basketball. And I remember I was having a conversation with my friend who's a Miami Heat fan, and I said, look, I'm going to tell you right now, the Celtics do not lose back-to-back games. And sure enough, they came back in Game 7, and they won it. And I think the thing with, the, with Boston and with them having their backs up against the wall in those types of situations they tend to thrive. I feel like this season, the whole theme for them has been, you know, going through adversity, getting through challenges. They like to do things the hard way, even though it's not the way fans would like them to do it. It's just something in an area that they thrive in. When they're are ups against the wall. That's when they tend to perform the best and guys start to step up and do what they're supposed to do. Jason Tatum steps up and he becomes a superstar. I remember game seven in the second round playing the Bucks. Like, Who thought that Grant Williams was going to be the guy that gets them into the Eastern Conference Finals in that game? So whenever their backs are up against the wall, that's where they tend to thrive.
5: I'm talking with Amina Smith. She works for NBC Sports Boston. You can follow her on Twitter at AminaJadeTV, which brings me to something that you tweeted this weekend, and is the mm-hmm. idea of that we aren't, talking enough about the job that Ime Odoka is doing as a first-year head coach. So I now allow – I give the floor to you to, to, mm-hmm. to talk to me about the type of job that he's done.
0: I think it's something special. Of course, it's not the first time that a first-year head coach – has taken a team to the NBA finals or won an NBA title in their first year. But I just think back to where this team was last season. It seemed like they were kinda all over the place. Personalities, you know, were kinda everybody kind of doing their own thing. The managing of personalities just wasn't what it was supposed to be. And I think Ime Doke, especially coming from that great pop of this tree. He's a great communicator, and Papa's t- like said that also when Eme was uh, interviewing for this job, and I think that that's something that people have kind of overlooked the fact that he's been able to successfully manage these personalities on the team and get the best out of them, get them to buy in, get them to say that you know what, well, even though it might not have worked out for us in the past where you have Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown who've gone to the Eastern Conference Finals several times, Marcus Martin, Jalen Brown four times, Jason Tatum three times, and they have not been able to get over the hump. The fact that Ime Udoka comes in in his first year, his first year, and gets them over that challenge, I think that speaks volumes about what he's been able to do in that locker room.
5: Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. You know what I found out this weekend, Amina? I I went to college with his sister. I was classmates with his sister, Umfant. Yeah.
0: me and her are friends on Instagram, I talk to her all the time. <laughs> yeah, she's she's
5: like a legendary player in DePaul history, yes, and and, and DePaul, she, oh yes. yeah, and she, uh, you know, Team Nigeria too. Like she's she's mm-hmm. a big, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess. I, so I, it was, I think it was Jenny Bruno, my friend Jenny Bruno, like pointed out. I was like, oh yeah, that name did sound familiar, and I didn't put it mm-hmm. together, but yeah, Umfane used to be the realness at DePaul when I was there.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I have not been able to see her at games because I'm always running around, but I was literally talking to her a couple of nights ago, and I was just telling her, I'm like, she's just so proud of what Emei's been able to do here in Boston and how he's been able to carry this team to the NBA Finals in his first year. Like, me and her talk about her excitement all the time. I can't wait to see her when I go back to TV Garden. I told her, I said, I'm going to specifically look for you and speak to you in person because there's no reason why we've gone a whole entire season and not seen each other. It's
5: <laughs> wild, right? It's- it's crazy. And speaking of people in the stands, I mean now now we got we got Ayesha Curry versus Nia Long. Now, Mina, we gonna see who gonna really step out here with the gear.
0: Look, I'm pulling for Nia Long, okay, because Nia Long in her rookie year, she's doing well. She's popping out when she needs to pop out for important games. Aisha, you know, she's used to this. She's used to this stage, but I think it's the Celtics time right now with Nia Long leading the way. Yes.
5: Yes. I I mean, I know that there are a lot of black men, my age and older that are very appreciative of the fact that (laughs) Nia Long is going to be at games. Uh, (laughs) We're very excited about that. Um, Jason Tatum to, to get back on track, Jason Tatum, it looks like he's taking that next step where People like, this guy can be good, and it is pretty decent. Is he now starting to walk in, in the spaces of the best players in the game?
0: Jason Tatum is a superstar. And, I mean, it's just that when you watch him over and over and over again on the court, especially now this season where he's kind of taking his game to another level, he's become more physical. He's become more aggressive. He's put on more you know, muscle during the offseason so that he can drive to the basket. Before, when I watched him last season, he was avoiding contact. This season, he's welcoming that contact and driving to the basket and making sure that he gets the shots that he wants. So I think Jason Tatum has developed so much and also become a better two-way player, which I think has kind of bled over into the other guys on this roster. They see Jason Tatum playing defense and sacrificing his body on certain plays as well, they're going to go out there and do it. And, of course, you got Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year. You know, he's going to just do whatever it takes to win a game, sacrifice his body. You literally have to carry him out on a stretcher in order for him not to be out there on the floor. But Jason Tatum has really taken his game to a completely different level, and closing games for him has been an issue in the past where people kind of didn't trust him to do that. Now it's a completely different story where if the game is in his hands, people are trusting him to get it done.
5: I, I think that it's really interesting you brought that up with Marcus Smart because to me, the most fun matchup that I see in this, this finals is him and Steph because mm-hmm. he does really well against Steph, which is a weird thing to say because almost no one does well against Steph Curry. Right. But seeing those two guys, and I imagine he'll get that assignment for most of the time other than switches, I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Oh, yeah. Marcus Smart on Steph Curry is going to be a key defensively. I believe that Steph Curry, he shoots about 33% from the field when Marcus Smart is guarding him. And Marcus is, like I said, he's going to give up his body on every single play. And you can tell when Marcus is defending someone, it's almost kind of like that pest type of defensive kind of, <laughs> kind of mechanism where he becomes annoying to, the, to whoever he's guarding. And I think that Steph Curry looks at it that way. He might think twice also, you know, having Marcus Smart on him, knowing that he will sacrifice his body. I know earlier in the season when Steph had that injury, you know, it was because that Marcus Smart was diving for a loose ball. That might play a part, I feel like, mentally in this series where Steph Curry is going to be like, okay, I might think twice on certain things I'm going to do because I know that Marcus Smart is going to sacrifice his body on every play, especially on the defensive end of the floor.
5: How happy are people in the Celtics organization for Al Horford?
0: Oh my gosh. Everyone is so happy for Al Horford. And I mean, just think about the story, just 15 years in the NBA, he's been able to play all these playoff games, two national championships in college, and then never been to the NBA finals. I watched him after that game seven against the Miami, he falls to his knees. Lawrence, I, like it was just watching it was just like you kind of got goosebumps because you watch someone who's been working for something for so long and people kind of thought like, okay, when he got traded back here, when they acquired him back here in Boston, whether or not Al Horford would be able to contribute. You know, is he too old? With him being 35 years old, is he going to be able to get up and down the court? And Al Horford has shown all throughout the regular season and the postseason that he's been ready for the moment and then some just taking care of his body. Jalen Brown said it after game seven. No one deserves it more than Al Horford to be in the NBA finals. And everyone is just so happy for him to be here.
5: What do you think is the key to to the Celtics winning this series?
0: It's so tough because these teams match up so well. And I was actually looking at this earlier, but the Celtics, they have players that rank ahead the Warriors and, you know, these hustle categories. When you talk about loose balls, transition points, deflections, things like that. And I remember talking to guys that played on that 08 team that won that championship. Guys like Eddie House, Scal, Kendrick Perkins, Paul Pierce. And a lot of them say the same thing, that those intangibles, those X factors, those hustle plays those become the big plays that help you win a championship. And obviously Golden State they know that because they've been in that situation, they won multiple championships. But with the Celtics and the the level the, the sort of level of desperation that they are going to play with in this series in the NBA Finals, I feel like that's what takes them over the top because these teams match up so well.
5: How that Chiefs uh, defensive backfield looking this year?
0: looking good it's looking good we trying to go to the Super Bowl
5: and and I am the only talk show host in America that will ask you this question better baby hair Jason Tatum or Amina Smith
0: oh Amina Smith all the way come on now Jason Tatum, he tries, you know, he's got the, the hair products and everything like that, but he's not laying the edges like me. Come on now, Lawrence, you know better than
5: that. All right, you're right, you're right. I just had to ask the question, had to get it on the record. Uh, as always, you are an absolute delight. Good luck and have fun with all this, like covering the finals is dope. I'm really happy for you that you continue to succeed and, and, and strive and you're out here doing it. So keep doing it big.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
5: That is Amina Smith. She's great. You should be following her on Instagram and on Twitter at Amina J TV. She's good people. And she's going to do a great job of covering the finals for NBC sports. Boston. She's already done a great job. I, I check in. I see what she's doing and what she's dealing with. Like, you know, stuff she tweets out and like people respond to cause Boston fans are wild. Like they're wild, but Amina does a great job. So check out her coverage of the NBA finals. I was trying to get my homie Laura Britt to come on because she covers the 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 dubs. But she's, like, covering the Giants, too. So, I told her when the White Sox play the Giants, and that's a thing that's going to happen in July, that she's coming on the show. Why? Don't tell anybody I said this, though. LB is a White Sox fan. Shh. So when she comes on, I'm 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 be checking her her fan credentials. Is she gonna be trying to be like, no? Nah, let me tell you about the Giants. I'm like, no, 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 White Sox. should I do a little bit of Cubs. All right, can you load up the Cubs minute? And there's there's a sound bite that I want to play because it came to fruition last night. Cubs minute, let's go.
3: It's time for the Cubs Minute. Chicago Cubs baseball is on the air. Fly the W!
7: Wrigleyville, fans are awesome, great food. It's, you know, it's tough to beat.
3: Cubbies. The Cubs Minute on the Lawrence Holmes Show. It's game
7: three of this four-game series between the Chicago Cubs, and the Milwaukee Brewers. Here comes the one-two to Contreras. Drilled in the air, deep left field. Back is Yelich, that ball is gone. Line drive, home run, Wilson Contreras. Cubs lead one to nothing. Here comes the stretch, the one-two on the way to Taylor. Driven toward right, slicing toward the corner. That ball is gonna land, fair. This is gonna drive in one, it's gonna drive in two, and it's gonna drive in three. Yelich scores all the way from first. A three-run double for Tyrone Taylor, and Milwaukee leads three to one. Dubs need a clutch base hit right now from the number nine batter, Andrelton Simmons. Ground ball base hit right field, there it is. Coming in to score is Clint Frazier. High, pick off throw to first, not in time. Wild throw, it goes down the right field line. Summons around third. He's going to score. Morrell going to third base. The throw there, not in time. Caratini hits a drive to left center. Trouble back is Morell near the wall, and that ball is gone for a three-run homer for Victor Caratini. Mm-hmm. Higgins cracks one in the air, deep left field. That ball's back to the wall, gone. Two-run homer, DJ e. Higgins. Cubs are right back in the ball game. Fly ball to left, curling toward the corner. Back near the wall is Yelich, and that ball's a fair ball, and it is in the field of play. Coming in to score is Morel, racing to second on a double is Contreras. Ball game tied at six. He drives one in the air to left center field. Yelich and Kane converge. That ball is in there. It's a base hit. It goes to the wall. Scoring is Contreras. A double for Swindell. Cubs lead seven to six. Cubs lead by a run. Here's a line drive off the glove of Horner. Base hit, it'll tie the game. Throw goes to second base. <laughs> Deep drive to left. If it's fair, it's gonna leave the yard. And the Cubs have the lead. Patrick Wisdom with a long home run. Get out the tape measure.
5: Cubs lead by a score of eight to seven. Cubs win the ball game. Highlights courtesy of the score. That wisdom home run was an absolute bomb. He knew that he got it. David Robertson comes up with the save, and Christopher Morrell, who had a, another nice night, continues to be a spark plug for this Cubs team. Got on base yet again. I talked with David Ross yesterday about Morell. Check out what he said about him.
2: This young man, young, hungry, and he was in big league camp for us two years ago. And the growth he's made already is astounding to me. And the way he takes the information is, is being able to apply that really fast has really been impressive. The coaching staff has been really impressed. We've moved him all over the diamond. He's looked great in each position, his excitement, his energy brings a lot to us. So for me, when guys struggle, we're there to to catch them and help them and talk them through it. But until that time comes, you just high five them when they do great, pat them on the butt when they punch out or make a mistake and you keep moving down the line. This is everyday game that we have to play and stay mentally positive because of all the failure that you go through. And he's a positive person. And so we're along for the ride with him and supporting him. And when things, the bumps in the road come, uh, that's what the family's all about. That's what our Culture is all about is about helping each other through those tough moments, talking through them, and then using some of the experiences we have to maybe give some advice or, or a helping hand.
5: He does seem to play with a lot of joy.
2: Oh man, it's it's infectious, man. The way he, you know, I was joked the other day with the media. It's like if you feel like before the game starts, he he has to pat everybody on the back or shake everybody's hand, the umpire, the catcher, the guy at first when he gets to second. It doesn't matter. I mean, this guy is just a genuinely great human being that loves to play baseball, and, and, and that's what's so infectious and so great about him outside of just his skill set and how he, how he comes to work every day with that smile and that energy is, is awesome. Great stuff from Rossi
5: on Christopher Morell and the nice start that he's having to his career. When we come back, I want to talk about a unicorn. I'll explain next here on The Score.
6: After the end of a good fight, you deserve a nice cold reward.
3: Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670, The Score.
5: So last night, I'm watching the hockey because the hockey was crazy. Last night, 14 goals. that worked work. Very exciting. Stanley Cup playoffs this year have been a lot of fun for a lot of different reasons. It's also going to be really weird in this series because you're going to hear Kane, Taves, and Keith it's going to be the actual Duncan Keith, but you're going to hear those names and you're going to have flashbacks. You're going to go squirrel, thinking that it's the Blackhawks teams that you love. Anyway, I was watching the post game and, and the post game was really good. Wayne Gretzky's really good at analysis. And I know what you're thinking. Of course he is, Lawrence. He's the greatest hockey player of all time. Yeah, that's not a prerequisite to be good. At analysis, because look at some of the other greatest players ever that have tried to do the analysis thing, it doesn't always work out that way. But he takes it very seriously, and he's funny and interesting. I know that he had done the the hit with Mully and Haw, and he was really great there, but watching him on TV last night was dope, and seeing him him be involved in it is fantastic. There was a moment, though, the rest of the panel was making fun of his shoes, and he, like, looked up, and everyone was like, oh, we was just playing, man, because they know that if Wayne, Wayne can Thanos the whole thing if he want to. You out here talking about Wayne's shoes, and then all of a sudden you find yourself back in Saskatchewan. You're not going to be on the desk for TNT or nobody. You know where the line is and Wayne showed it to you. Shout out to the great one. I'll talk with Danny Parkins next here on The Score.